What's up, my friends? Welcome to Good Human, a show on the Cheap Seats Network where we chat about wellness, lifestyle, navigating this crazy world, and just doing our best to be a good human. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy. Hello, my friends, and welcome back. I am finally home from my last trip of the summer, which is part of the reason why this podcast has been so inconsistent lately. I had just a jam-packed summer filled with trips that I didn't even anticipate taking this year, like just the way it all worked out. It was so exciting and I had the best time, but ooh, am I happy to be home. I am such a homebody and also this kicks off like my favorite time of the year, mid-September to the end of the year is the best time. Like the last four months of the year are the best four months of the year. And while I am a seasonal depression sympathizer, I personally do not fall victim to that. Like, I genuinely feel my best this time of the year into the fall and into the early winter. I don't know what it is about it. Like, I get more motivated. It doesn't make any sense because it's colder and darker, but something about settling in for a long winter's nap, like, gets me motivated. Summer is fun. She's cute, but she's not that girl for me. And Mother Nature was just so incredibly punctual this year. Literally the last day of summer this week, it was like 80 some degrees. And the next day, first day of fall, dropped down to the 60s. And like it's been in the 60s since and it's going to continue to be in the 60s. And I am living my best life. Today is the absolute like quintessential fall day. Well, not quite because the leaves are still green, but it's like barely 60 degrees, but it's sunny. And that is my favorite weather. It's the best. I want to be able to wear a hoodie and not sweat. I want to be in my comfy cozies. I want to feel a crisp little breeze on my face, but I will say I'm a little cold inside today because it got down into the 40s. Like when I woke up this morning, I slept in a sweatshirt last night and had my weighted blanket on all night, which is just not not my usual routine. Like if I fall asleep cold, I will wake up at some point in the middle of the night and fling the weighted blanket off of me and take off like four layers of clothing. But I woke up this morning still under my weighted blanket in my sweatshirt and I was like, what is going on? And then I noticed that it was 42 degrees outside and the house was so very chilly. And if there's one thing about me and Matt is we're gonna argue about when to turn the heat on and I can't even entertain that conversation right now. Like, it is September 23rd. Don't even bring that up to me. But I just knew that he was gonna be like, it's cold in here. And I already told him this morning, like, just don't. Literally don't. Like, I'll plug in the space heater for you. We're not having this conversation. Because if it's gonna get warmer in the day, we're not turning the heat on. Like, I'm not switching back and forth between the heat and the AC. And I am so passionate about that debate like until it is fully time to have the heat on we're not turning the heat on bundle up put some socks on turn the space heater on and suck it up but i can't lie i am a little bit cold right now in my office and i have a little heated blanket but i can't find the cord to it like i don't know where i stored that and so now i'm feeling very hypocritical because i'm like it is a little bit chilly in here But I stand strong in support of team I would rather be too cold than be too hot. And I really have a hard time understanding the other point of view there. Like, being too cold is uncomfortable, yes. But you can add more layers. And it's not typically, like, physically uncomfortable to the point of being too hot. Like, 
that is so physically uncomfortable to me. I'm having bodily reactions and symptoms. I'm sweating. I'm feeling lightheaded. Like, absolutely not. You could put me in the tundra before you're throwing me out in the sun on a 95 degree humid day. I'm gonna actually put this on my Instagram story as a poll. So if you're if you're hearing this in the first 24 hours that it's live, go over to my Instagram um, at goodhumanpod and please let me know if you are team would rather be too cold or would rather be too hot. And I will need you to elaborate if you are team too hot because I could write a five paragraph essay on why I would rather be too cold and I'm interested in hearing the other side of things. But today we are talking pop culture and skincare two of my most favorite things. I absolutely love trash reality TV dating shows. My all-time favorite show being Love Island. Love Island UK specifically, I will give an honorable mention to Love Island Australia. I've always loved trash reality TV. Like, in general, I grew up watching all of the just absolute garbage MTV shows, and the ones that I loved the most were the dating shows, like Next, Parental Control. It was just so trashy and so good, but I was never a Bachelor girly. I never watched The Bachelor or The Bachelorette until a couple years ago. I caught the tail end of Miss Hannah Brown's season and I was immediately hooked. I have watched every season since and all of The Bachelor and Paradise season since. And if you're not familiar with The Bachelor franchise, It is very problematic and very toxic, but I can't stop watching the absolute train wreck that is every season. And if you're one of those people that hates on people that watches these shows, I'm going to need you to control alt-delete out of this because, listen, there are a few things that bring me such joy in life. And if there's one thing I'm going to indulge in, it's going to be Bachelor Nation as well as having little gossip sessions with my coworker and my hairdresser about it, okay? I'm just not going to give that little piece of joy up. And if you are a fellow member of Bachelor Nation, then you know the final episode, the finale of Gabby and Rachel's season aired this week in me oh my, was it a doozy. If you're anything like me, I don't just stop at watching the show. Like, I'm also watching all of the TikToks and reading all of the articles and watching Bachelor fan take. That's honestly the best part. If you watch The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, and you're not familiar with Bachelor Fan Take on YouTube, I'm gonna need you to go look it up immediately because it's better than the actual episodes. This man dedicates his life to not only recapping the episodes in a way that is so much more concise and entertaining than the actual episodes themselves, but he will do preview breakdowns. I'm losing my mind right now trying to think of the famous detective name. Why is Ed Hardy? (laughs) The name that's coming into my brain. What is the name of the famous detective? Agent Cody Banks. No. Wendy Wu, Homecoming Warrior. Like, (laughs) these are the only names that are... Sherlock Holmes. Oh my god. Oh, I'm so sorry. Bachelor fan take. He is the Sherlock Holmes of Bachelor Nation. There's no outright spoilers. Like, Reality Steve straight up finds spoilers. Bachelor fan take simply puts on his little detective cap... And the detail that he 
watches these previews in like he is so good at predicting what's going to happen and it's just such a fun community like reading the comments and seeing what other people think are going to happen throughout the season it is way more fun than watching the bachelor or the bachelorette so i would highly recommend checking out bachelor fan take if you're not already so anyways if you're anything like me you've already watched all the things and read all the things and i feel like everything that needs to be said has been said on the season finale but i will put in my two cents real quick firstly i'm an absolute gabby stan like even from the moment she stepped out on clayton season i was utterly obsessed with her she's so funny in such a feminine way i don't know if this is gonna make any sense if i'm really over intellectualizing this but i love when women are funny in like a feminine way like she's she's for the girls like gabby's for the girls she's not for anybody else to understand and i love that so much poor rachel i feel so bad for her i feel like she has been ripped apart online this season do i think she was ready to come on the show as the lead Probably not, like, maybe this was not the right thing for her, but I do not think she deserves the hate that she's been getting. Everybody says that she's just, like, a walking red flag, and I just, I just really disagree with that. I can't imagine how hard it is to go on reality TV and have everything about you picked apart. Like, I just don't support the Rachel slander. She's not my most favorite in the whole wide world, but we're not gonna talk shit about her. Tino, on the other hand, this man is not okay. I never really loved him from the beginning, but my distaste for him grew so quickly and so deeply as the season went on, and the nail in the coffin for me was when Rachel went to tell him that he was the only one left. I have never seen a more emotionless human being. He had no reaction to the point where she had to, like, elaborate more because he wasn't, not only was he not saying anything, he wasn't emoting in any way. He didn't even crack a smile. She's telling you that this is it. Like, you're the end game. It's you. No words. He said nothing. What a psycho. And I'm not gonna jump too far down into the rabbit hole using all of the big words in Bachelor Nation that everyone likes to use. Gaslighting. Narcissistic. But that was a little scary. And I did see something that says there are certain types of people that really like the chase. And then once they have won they're no longer interested and I feel like that kind of fits the bill. But the little secret house visit where they actually break up, I was so uncomfortable watching that, but I was also laughing so hard. I just felt so weird and so confused. And again, I think mostly everything has already been said at this point, but I hated, hated with a capital H, that journal that he brought because that to me did not feel like a oh this is my journal where i've really been sorting through my thoughts and feelings this felt like a i write down everything that rachel says to throw it back into her face and use it against her and i feel like that was something his dad told him to do like seeing how he acted in the last episode i feel like it makes so much more sense now seeing how his family was like just a bunch of weirdos in my opinion but the journal thing, I just could not with that because there was even a point where Rachel said something and it looked like he opened it up to write that down. Stop it. It just seemed like he wanted to do everything in his power to save his reputation, which again, feels like based on what we saw from his family and also the weird Facebook statuses that his dad posted, it felt like advice 
to get him to try to save his own reputation. Like, he wanted to save everything that Rachel said so that he could backtrack on it and try to save face, and I just, I hated it. It gave me such icky vibes. My biggest gripe about the Bachelor franchise, though, is the whole engagement thing. Like, how many seasons do we need to watch this happen before we stop making the engagement and expectation of the end of the show? Because it doesn't work. It literally does not work, which is the other thing I never understand when people are like, I've watched this process and I know it works. Mm, does it? Because it literally hasn't for the majority of people that have been on the show, but the people that stay together are usually the ones that don't get engaged, even in Bachelor in Paradise. Some of these people that get engaged are so quick to then break up, where then we have, like, beautiful, precious Abigail and Noah from last season. They didn't get engaged, and they're still going strong, and I want more of that. Why are we getting engaged after, like, eight to ten weeks. That's simply not enough time. And then people are, like, so confused when they get home into the real world and the person that they got engaged to on this show is not the person they thought they were. Hello? Of course they're not. I'm so over it and I feel like everybody else is as well. Because in general, as, like, a society, I feel like we've moved past the idea that, like, marriage is the end-all be-all. Like, just find your person and then go live your happy life together. We don't need the engagement. So the season finale ended with the reveal of the next Bachelor, as it always does. Ugh, I'm so sorry, but come on. Zach, he's boring. I'm so sorry to say it. He seems like a really, really nice, genuine guy, but he's so boring and he's so nice that I feel like the show is just gonna ruin him. And I saw a theory that the more boring and cookie cutter the lead is, the more chaotic and dramatic the cast is. Like, if you look at the women from Clayton's season or from Peter's season, like, the drama was in the cast because the drama wasn't coming from the lead because they're so incredibly white bread boring. So I feel like Zach's season is just gonna be a total mess, but you can count on me for watching it. Like, I'm gonna complain about it, but I'm also not gonna not watch it. And speaking of relationships and marriages... I'm also so late to this, but the Adam Levine thing, I will again make this quick because everything has already been said on this, and I just wanted to highlight a take that I heard from a couple people on TikTok that I was like, ooh, I like that. Because my initial reaction to hearing that Adam Levine had an affair with some girl is like, okay, gross on Adam Levine's part, and also like a little bit gross on that girl's part. Who's in the wrong here? Like, Adam, obviously, but my initial instinct is to be like, why would she sleep with a married man? But I saw something that kind of made me change my mind on this. And that is that it's not other women's responsibility to make sure that a man doesn't cheat. Like, I've seen a lot of videos of, you know, people saying Adam Levine was obviously in the wrong, but then also like, ladies, we need to do better which I wasn't really loving that tone, but I couldn't really figure out why. But I saw a couple people put it into words. I think Emily Ratajkowski was one of them. And it was all around the same idea that if it wasn't that woman that he cheated with, it would have been someone else. Like, it's not, why are we putting it on the other woman when it's the man consciously making the decision to cheat on his wife? Is it nice 
that someone, another woman is like sleeping with a married man. No, maybe that's not like the nicest thing in the world, but it's not the rest of the population's responsibility to make sure that a guy doesn't cheat. Like that's not on the other woman, that's on the guy. And I feel like it's one of those things that we don't realize how deeply rooted our misogyny is. Why are we putting any of the blame on the other woman? Because if it wasn't her, it would have been somebody else. Adam is a trash man, a trash husband. End of story. And I just really like that perspective because I think there's a lot of people out there and, you know, when you've been hurt and your trust has been broken before, I know that it's so hard to move forward in new relationships and trust. You can't micromanage your partner into making sure that they don't cheat. And I firmly, like so very firmly stand behind the idea that if your partner wants to cheat, let them. Like, let them be who they are, let them show you who they are, and then peace out. Like, I'm not going to spend my whole life making sure that my boyfriend doesn't cheat on me. Ugh, like, that's so stupid and exhausting. If you've ever had someone say this to you in a relationship, run, but it's like the, I trust you, I just don't trust other people. Huh? Listen, 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 babe. There's no woman out there that's going to convince your boyfriend to cheat if he doesn't want to already cheat. That is just what it is. And furthermore, it does not matter who the man is with. If he is a horrible person, then he is just a horrible person. I'm so, so over hearing the conversation that's like, if Beyonce can get cheated on, none of us are safe. If a Victoria's Secret model can get cheated on, none of us are safe. No, it literally has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with Bahati. It has nothing to do with Beyonce. It is the garbage excuse of a man that is doing those things. It doesn't matter who he's with. And to put so much blame on women, whether that be the woman in the relationship or the other woman, is so gross and so deflective of the actual problem, which is the man. So that's my two cents on the Adam Levine thing. I don't know why we're surprised in general that a famous musician cheated on his wife. But again, at the end of the day, it all comes down to Adam Levine being a horrible husband and a horrible person. Breaking news from Abby four days later. Hello. Hi. This is a huge one for the YouTube community. I don't know if anybody else listening to this watches the Try Guys. But listen, this is so relevant. Apparently, Ned Fulmer from the Try Guys has cheated on his wife. Ned, like the family man of the group, the one with two kids and the beautiful wife. The beautiful wife that he always talks about, like, is always saying, my wife. And you know what? This, this one shakes me. This one shakes me a little bit. Okay, Adam Levine, unbothered. Ned Fulmer, I am shooken up a bit. That is absolutely crazy. And... It was with Alex, one of his employees, who is engaged. She is engaged to be wed to another man. And this is all popped up from alleged photos of them kissing in a club. The gall, the absolute nerve to be a public figure and to cheat in public as if no one's going to spot you. Are you dumb? Also, how absolutely horned up do you have to be to ruin your whole career for this? Adam Levine's world will go on turning. Ned Fulmer of the Try Guys? Mm, honey, I think it's over for you, my boy. 
He's already been edited out of the most recent Try Guys videos, which is like also more reason to think that this is actually happening. Like, I don't think the Try Guys are just gonna let you chill. Like, they might, they might boot him out. You're gonna lose your family and your career over this? Like, are you okay? And this situation is also a little different because the other woman in this scenario is engaged, so that adds a whole other layer. But I still stand by my former statement, though, of how, like, if a man wants to cheat, he's gonna cheat, and it's not the wife's fault. Like, it has nothing to do with her or her ability to be a good partner, because I don't know, I don't care what was going on behind closed doors in that relationship, but to go cheat on your wife in public, that is a whole other level of disrespect. And who could have guessed that Ned was a cheater? Not me. Like, that is scary. Realizing you're with someone who you thought was totally different, who you thought would never hurt you, that's devastating. Like, life is so hard and so sad. And I guess the final moral of the story here is you really don't know what's going to happen to you in life. You just don't. You don't know what pain you're going to face and you can't predict it and you can't live your life trying to stop something that hasn't happened. So all we can do is have faith, have faith in ourselves that we can deal with hard things. Trust yourself that you will get through your darkest of days. And I literally remind myself of this anytime I hear about something bad happening, like in this scenario, to really reinforce this in my brain so that when I do face something so life-alteringly painful, I can remember that I can handle hard things. And that's all you can do in the present moment is know you're going to be able to face whatever comes your way. Okay, I just had to interject with that breaking news. Back to the episode. Ugh, I just love a little chit-chat about pop culture. And Matt asked me, like, why don't I ever talk about this kind of stuff on the podcast? And again, like, a little fun tidbit of internalized misogyny is feeling like you can't enjoy these things or talk about these things because they're vapid and and not important. And that's just so dumb. Like, it just all falls into that bucket of women can't enjoy anything without getting made fun of. And I know I've talked about this before because this always gets me going, is when women are called basic for liking things that are just generally enjoyable. There's just so many things in life that are made to keep women down and and feeling less than and feeling a certain way. And if you want to obsess over Harry Styles and talk about what Dua Lipa wore and drink your pumpkin spice latte, like, do it. Do it and do it with such gusto because you're allowed to enjoy what you want to enjoy and these things are fun, okay? It's for the girlies. It's slay boots girly pop house down. (laughs) And if you don't get it, if you don't understand what that means, you don't have to, but let the rest of us enjoy it, okay? So that's my spiel on pop culture. Moving on to the next subject of the day is skincare. Something else that I love so much, but again, feel like I can't talk about because I have acne and for some reason my brain thinks that I'm not allowed to talk about enjoying skincare just because my face looks a certain way, but I have been absolutely loving Dr. Whitney Bow in her skin cycling method. I don't think I understood how certain skincare ingredients worked until recently, which is a lot of the reason why I have absolutely destroyed my skin over the last two years trying to get rid of the acne, thus just making it worse. 
So Dr. Whitney Bow has coined this term skin cycling. Follow her on TikTok or Instagram. She posts the most amazing videos. She's a board-certified dermatologist and I love her so much. But skin cycling is essentially just cycling through your products throughout the week to ensure that you don't do too much on your skin. I was over exfoliating so much a couple months ago because I wasn't understanding what I needed to do with my skin. And so skin cycling is, as described by Dr. Whitney Bow, is a four-night cycle. But the reason why I love this so much is because it's just a concept. Like you don't have to follow it as precisely as the four-day cycle, which is night one, exfoliate, night two, retinoid, night three and four, recover. So no exfoliating ingredients, like you're literally just washing your face and moisturizing. And I love it, again, because I feel like you can customize that or play with it a little bit to find what works best for your skin. With the general concept, being just having nights to let your skin recover, something I was not doing. So for me, I've been doing a little bit of skin cycling, but not the exfoliate, retinoid, recover, recover. I've been doing retinoid recover, retinoid recover, retinoid recover, exfoliating mask on Sundays. And it's working so well for me. I'm seeing such a difference in the texture of my skin and the hydration. And I've seen some criticism of the four-day skin cycle on TikTok. Again, because everybody has such different skin and that might not work for you, but just the concept of cycling through your skincare products to ensure that you're not wrecking your moisture barrier is so important. And I didn't realize how important that was until very recently and it took me destroying my skin barrier to realize how important having a healthy skin barrier with hydrated skin is. So on that note, I wanted to walk through some things that I've learned about skincare recently, like mistakes I've made, things that have helped my skin, and things that have not. If you're not new here, then you probably already know the story. Two years ago, summer 2020, I randomly started getting breakouts, and they have just kind of gotten worse since and not really gone away, and I have been dealing with hormonal imbalances and trying to find the root cause of the acne, which really frustrates me. Let's talk about this for a second. Because everything I see on social media is like, you have to address the root cause of your acne, which like, yes, that's why just going on birth control doesn't, that's not healing your acne. It's just kind of a a band-aid solution or why just dealing with your skin topically might not cure your acne because you need to find the root cause. Nobody talks about how hard it is to actually find the root cause. Like, cool, I know I need to find the root cause how the heck do I know what the root cause is? No one talks about how difficult that is, how expensive that is to find the right doctors to do the right testing because a lot of the time these are internal issues. These are hormonal imbalances. It's gut dysbiosis. It's chronic inflammation. It's autoimmune diseases. Like that's not an easy thing to just figure out and I feel like I've been finding little breadcrumbs over the last two years of my root cause, but have yet to really dig into what is causing the acne. So anyways, in this journey in the last two years of me trying to find the freaking root cause of my acne, I have learned a lot about what has not helped me. So let's dive in. I'll share skincare things that have not helped clear my skin and things that have. And while I don't have clear skin yet, while I don't 
feel like I have found the root cause yet or healed whatever the heck is going on that's causing the symptoms that I have, one of which being the acne. But there have been plenty of things that I have noticed make a substantial difference in my skin. Starting with the things that have not worked for me, and I am going to clarify that this is for me, that is the other thing that is so incredibly difficult about having acne and skin conditions is everyone is so unique. So I do want to put that out there. What doesn't work for me might work for you. What works for me might not work for you. But things that have not worked for me, first on the list is oral antibiotics. At the beginning of summer last year, I went to see a dermatologist because I felt like I was at my wit's end, which is so funny looking back on. Honey, you've got a big storm coming. But at that time, I'd really felt like I tried everything, topically at least, and nothing was working. So I went to see a dermatologist, which I wasn't really excited about because I haven't had the best experience with dermatologists or doctors in general, to be frank, in the past. So I did finally see a dermatologist and it went exactly how I expected. I really didn't get to say much about my skin or the symptoms I was experiencing. He just prescribed me an oral antibiotic and then a couple topical products and sent me on my way. The antibiotic that he put me on made me so nauseous to the point where I was like, I don't know that I can keep taking this, but I kept taking it. My skin did start to clear up a little bit, but I was sad, like big, big sad in a different way than I've ever experienced before. So I had to stop taking it and guess what happened when I stopped taking it? All of the breakouts that had started to clear up came back. And to me, that is such a huge sign of just a band-aid fix. Because what was I going to do? Take that antibiotic for the rest of my life? Antibiotics wreck my gut. So I don't know what the long-term goal there was. If it made my skin clear up in the short term, cool. But I can't take an antibiotic forever. And the acne just came back when I stopped. So that did not work for me on a lot of levels. I threw them in the trash did not refill the prescription, and never went back to that dermatologist. Second thing that did not work for me, which is everybody's favorite thing to say to somebody that struggles with acne, is just drink more water. Hydration is so important for many different functions of your body, but if you just tell someone that is breaking out to drink more water, I'm actually going to roundhouse kick you because that is so not helpful. <laughs> and I already drank a lot of water to begin with, and so drinking more water wasn't doing anything. And I didn't realize that just drinking more water doesn't equate to being more hydrated. Peeing every hour is not a sign that you're hydrated. I was just drinking plain water. And if your body's not absorbing that water, you're not hydrating yourself. So just drinking more water absolutely did not work for me, but I have been putting a little salt in my water lately. Like I no longer really drink just plain water. I'm either drinking tea or I'm putting a little mineral salt in my water because that's actually going to help your body retain the water and be hydrated. Next thing that did not clear my skin is completely cutting out seed oils. There's a lot out there right now on ingredients and food that is inflammatory, which can be a big cause of acne, and seed oils are a big part of that discussion. So for a couple months, I did my best to completely cut out seed oils, and guess what? It didn't do anything. It didn't do anything but make me completely stress out about what I was eating, which I would argue is just as bad for you. Like, you're just causing yourself stress, which is not doing any favors for your skin. 
on the same note, I've tried to be 100% gluten-free. I actually was 100% gluten-free for probably a year or so because I was getting really, really awful headaches every time that I ate gluten. And it took me a long time to figure out that it was gluten that was doing that in the first place. So through that time of me cutting out the gluten because I was getting headaches, I still had all the skin problems. Gluten is another one. You'll hear dairy as often being another contributor to inflammation, which leads to acne. But cutting out gluten 100% for me did not work. Now, I don't eat a ton of gluten now, day to day, but I have sourdough bread every morning, which has gluten in it, but it is lower than a regular bread that you would eat. And I'm not hard-pressed whenever I do eat gluten. I just eat it and everything is fine. Two more things that did not help clear my skin, first of which is zinc supplements. And I don't want to hone in on the zinc part as much as I want to hone in on the supplement part because this is where I got tripped up in thinking what worked for other people would work for me where we have such complex and unique needs and you might have a deficiency in a certain vitamin that's causing you issues, I might make too much of that vitamin. So here I was having no idea whether I had enough zinc or not through my diet and I'm supplementing it with vitamins. I don't think I needed it at all. I think it was causing more breakouts because I was noticing a huge correlation between the moments where I was consistently taking these zinc supplements that were marketed as zinc for acne supplements. Because if I didn't have a deficiency in the first place, that wasn't going to do anything. And the last thing I want to touch on is Curology. And I hate to put this in the category of did not help clear my skin because it really did at first, but it was me using Curology without understanding the ingredients that I was using Paired with me not feeling comfortable with the communication side of things in Curology, I found it very difficult to change my formula or to talk, quote-unquote talk, with the quote-unquote dermatologist that you're assigned. So if you don't know what Curology is, it's a skincare brand where they take a look at your skin online, you submit pictures, you fill out a little survey, and they'll create a custom formula for you. The first thing I found is that they kind of just give everyone the same custom formula. When I was doing some extra picking and poking around on the web once Curology kind of stopped working for me, I noticed that everyone was given the same custom formula at first, which again, I'm sure there is a rhyme and reason behind it, but it made me feel a little bit less confident in the fact that someone was actually looking at my skin and taking into consideration my unique needs and concerns if everyone is just getting the same formula, which was primarily azelaic acid, which is an exfoliant. So I started Curology in August of 2021 after the summer of the dermatologist debacle and the antibiotics. When I stopped taking those, I was like, all right, let me give this a try. And my skin got really bad at first. Like it made my skin get way worse, which I don't know how to feel about that. Some people say there's purging periods with products. Some people say that that should not be a thing. Like if your skin is getting worse before it gets better, then that's not the product for you. So I don't know how to feel about that. But my skin did get way worse at first, but I was under the mindset that it's going to get worse before it gets better. And it did start to get better. It took a couple months before I really saw a difference. And then my skin got, I would say like 50% clear to where it was over the summer of 2021. And then it just sort of plateaued. And while I still haven't fully found what I think to be the root cause of my acne, I do know that it isn't just a topical situation. Like, I don't think that there's 
any product that I'm going to put on my face that's just going to completely clear my acne because I do know that I have issues with my thyroid and I do know that I have hormonal imbalances. So looking back, it's not very surprising to me that my skin only kind of reached 50% clear because I think so much of this for me is internal. But at the time, I wasn't really thinking about that. And so I started to use my little custom formula more often and in higher volumes. I was like slathering the stuff on my face at night thinking, well, it worked at first. Maybe I just need to use a little bit more. In addition to that custom formula, I was also using the Curology Face Wash and the Curology Moisturizing Serum. They have two moisturizers. One is a little bit thicker and one is a more like, I don't want to say goopy, but it's like a, a traditional lightweight serum texture. And I opted for the more serum-like one. Spoiler alert, it was not moisturizing enough for my skin. So at this point, we're like in spring of 2022 and I'm noticing some breakouts coming back. I'm noticing my skin getting a little bit worse despite me doing what I thought was the right thing and that is using more of that custom formula. So I started washing my face with a salicylic face wash instead of the gentle Curology face wash. Again, I did not know what I was doing, mixing ingredients and just over exfoliating so much. Skin got worse. I kept doing more to my skin. I started using spot treatments. I started washing my face twice a day with the salicylic face wash. I wrecked my skin barrier at the beginning of the summer. Like, absolutely wrecked it. And the biggest sign for me that I had destroyed my skin barrier was that my skin was oily now. I've never had oily skin and I was so confused, but what was happening was my skin was so stripped and dehydrated that it was trying to produce more oils to hydrate it. It was overproducing oils, and I had the weirdest oily skin. Like, I would wash my face in the morning, and a couple hours into the day, my face was just, like, slicked with oil, and I had the biggest, most painful under-the-skin pimples. At this point, I turned to Reddit, which was the best thing that I did, because it's one thing to listen to skincare brands or influencers, the people on social media, but I desperately needed to hear from people that were experiencing the same thing that I was experiencing. And it was through Reddit that I learned that I had absolutely destroyed my skin by over-exfoliating. So I dropped everything, which felt so wrong, but I stopped using Curology, I stopped using salicylic acid in my face wash, I stopped using spot treatments, I was just washing my face with a gentle cleanser, which I do love the Curology cleanser, and I was focusing on hydration. I bought a hydrating toner, I bought hyaluronic acid, I bought a new moisturizer, I had to just get my skin back to baseline which was really mentally difficult because you see these pimples on your face and you're like, I have to do something about it. I have to, to dry them out, to put a spot treatment on them, to do something. But for me, the best thing I did for my acne, for my skin in general, was to not do anything to it at all. Just focus on hydrating. Which leads me to the things that have helped my skin. The first being hydrating my acne. I feel like I was taught growing up that you have to dry out your acne, and I think that's like the number one difference in Western skincare versus Asian skincare, Korean skincare. Korean skincare is so focused on hydration, and clearly drying my skin out and stripping my skin was not working, so I had to start 
moisturizing my acne, which felt so wrong, but it has helped so much with those big painful ones under the skin with little texture. I am so happy that I went down a rabbit hole on Reddit and figured all of this out because hydration has changed my skin. Drink water, throw a little bit of salt in there, sleep with a humidifier on, focus on hydrating ingredients and moisturizing, and it will change your skin. The other thing I wanted to mention on this note is how much I noticed the like fine lines that I have forming change when my skin is hydrated versus when it's not. And I have a whole episode on like beauty modifications and Botox and filler and I am definitely of the belief that everybody should just do what they want but I am just wondering based on personal experience how many young people out there are getting Botox or what they call preventative Botox when they start to see those fine lines when their skin's just really dehydrated. Like, if you are on the fence about getting Botox, but you're not first prioritizing your skincare, I would really encourage you to, like, pump the brakes on that because there were times where I was like, where are these fine lines coming from? I've never seen my skin look like this before, specifically around my eyes and on my forehead. And the times where I've noticed those fine lines have been directly related to the times where my skin was so dehydrated. And when I'm prioritizing hydration, they literally disappear. So I don't know. All all I'm saying is if you're on the fence about Botox and you're not first prioritizing hydration in your skincare routine, I would maybe save a buck or two and focus on the hydration part first and see if that impacts your skin. Next thing that has made a difference in my skin is eating enough protein, which is so random and something that I didn't think was connected because it's somewhat distantly related, but the way that I was explained it by the naturopath that I work with is that it's more so blood sugar balancing. So a particular issue that I have is insulin resistance, which is related to your blood sugar And in order for your blood sugar to be stable through the things that you eat, you should really be prioritizing having fat, fiber, and protein in each of your meals. And so by me prioritizing how much protein I was eating, I was regulating my blood sugar more, which was impacting the insulin resistance, which was impacting the hormones that my body was making, which is impacting my acne. This is how complicated it is. Like, If you don't struggle with your skin and you're wondering how it's this hard to figure it out, like, this is why it's so freaking hard. And you should be just feeling so hashtag blessed that you don't have these issues because it's so exhausting and so frustrating. But eating more protein has been a game changer for me and something that I've dealt with for a long time being, like, a sort of part-time vegan. So in 2016, I stopped eating meat I was like fully vegan for a little while. That wasn't really working for me. So I started to eat fish again sometimes and eggs. And for the last like four and a half years, I was only eating seafood every now and again and eggs. I had not been eating like chicken or beef or anything like that. And I was struggling so hard to get my protein in. I really relied on a lot of fake meats as my protein source, which is a whole other story on how I kind of like wrecked my stomach doing that. But I got to the point a couple months ago where I was like, I think I need to incorporate meat again into my diet. Like this just simply isn't working for me. And since I've started to eat meat again, which I don't really have it a ton throughout the week, 
but I'm slowly working on building that back up. And since I have been eating more meat and prioritizing eating real sources of protein, I have noticed a huge correlation to my skin improving. And the last thing that has made a significant impact on my skin is healing my gut. I feel like this is another one of those really trendy hot topics on social media, and it's another one of those things that's kind of hard to know how to navigate, and everyone is so different, but my stomach was messed up. (laughs) I didn't realize how messed up it was until I took steps to heal it. And then hindsight was 2020 because, man, was I struggling with my stomach before. And I'm not going to go into the full details of the things that I do or have done to prioritize my gut health. If you're interested in that more, let me know. Maybe I could do a longer episode just on that because, again, it is A, different for everybody, and B, really complex. But the thing that I'm going to shout out that I think everybody could use in their life, fermented foods sauerkraut is my personal favorite. I have sauerkraut every morning and it has fed all that good bacteria in my stomach and made it so much stronger. Bone broth as well has really helped to heal the lining of my gut. Both of those things I used to not be able to eat, which was like kind of a telltale sign that my stomach was messed up. I could not even have bone broth it would wreck my stomach. I could not have sauerkraut. It would wreck my stomach. So I had to first do some other stuff to get my ducks in a row. But rebuilding your gut is a huge part of this like journey that I'm on with my gut health. And fermented foods and bone broth are just ooh so good, so yummy for your gut. The last thing I will shout out for impacting my skin in a positive way is the brand Clear Stem Skincare. I originally heard about this brand on a podcast. It's created by two women who really struggle with acne themselves, which I think is a huge factor in who I listen to and in who I sort of deem as reputable sources on this topic because I'm so tired of taking skincare advice from people who have never struggled with skin. It just, it doesn't make sense when you think about it. So to have a skincare line formulated by two people that healed their own acne is so cool to me and they are so big on finding that root cause and so big on the ingredients that goes into skincare and not having any pore clogging ingredients in the skincare and I started out by just using the moisturizer that they have but I have now ordered a couple new products from them so I'm going to test those out and I will get back to you on them but I love the moisturizer. I also use their sunscreen and my skin has just been feeling so much healthier. Again, the acne is still there because I don't think I can topically heal this, but the general look and feel of my skin is leaps and bounds from what it was a couple months ago since I've focused on prioritizing hydration, since I've incorporated skin cycling now with active ingredients. Like, I just feel like I'm on the right track. So, if you struggle with your skin in any way or if you've been feeling confused about skincare or what products you should use, what helps your skin, what doesn't. Hopefully this episode helped you a little bit and do just know that your skin is so unique. So please try not to beat yourself up. If you see something working for other people and you give it a shot and it doesn't work for you because I've spent so much time getting mad at my body for it like not working almost. Like if something's working so well for other people, why is it not working for me? But we're so unique an individual, and that is totally normal. So just remember, please, 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 please be nice to yourself. So with that, we will wrap up today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
I hope you have a wonderful day, a wonderful week, and until next time, see ya.